Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be with you this afternoon, uh, Wednesday, here in Joburg, the first Wednesday of Stage 3 lockdown, um, or Stage 3 unlockdown, whichever way you look at it. And, of course, many people back to doing all the things that they used to do before we had this lockdown, but hopefully <clears throat> still keeping to all the rules and regulations and making sure that we are concerned for our fellow men, as Rabbi Chazdan was saying in his little intro there, um, thinking about each other, making sure that we are not being reckless um, because one can be reckless with one's own life, but what happens when that impinges upon the lives of others, um, that we dare not do, um, let alone for ourselves. So we need to be sure that we are keeping to all of the rules and regulations. Well, just to take you back in history for an introduction today, today, 120 years ago on this date, on the 11th of Sivan, in the year 1900, the uh, Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, had his parents' marriage. His parents got married, the parents of Rabbi, uh, of, the, of the Rebbe, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson, who lived from 1878 to 1944, and his Rebbe, Rebbe Hanna, whose surname was Janowski, who lived from 1880 to 1964, they got married on the 11th of Sivan in the year 1900. That is, 120 years ago today. The oldest son, Rabbi Menachem Mendel, was born two years later on the 11th of Nisan in 1902. So just a little bit of history about this date, about this day that we are uh, commemorating, celebrating, thinking about. And of course, hopefully it has the positive outcome and the positive energy of remembering what great people came before us and all the wonderful things that they taught us. Um, and by thinking about where it all began, where it all started, we too need to remember that um, every great event and every great individual, great person, great uh, influence upon this world begins somewhere and usually with one or two people, and eventually it can become something that is so great and so meaningful, so huge and everlasting for everybody. I'd like to focus today, if we can, on some of the, and perhaps we'll do it over the next couple of weeks, some of the things that hopefully we've learned from the lockdown and from the fact that we have changed our focus from a, a Jewish point of view vastly, if we think about it, hardly anything that we did in a way of community life, of communal activity, is possible anymore, and we have adapted, and we have seen some fundamental changes, and I'm not only talking about the fact that now thousands more people have access to Torah learning because there is so much that is offered online and on Zoom and on all sorts of uh, different platforms, but the fact, probably more so, as we have spoken before, that our, sh our focus has shifted from the Jewish communal space, from the shuls, from the Bate Medrash, from the learning environments, from the synagogue in shul environments. All of that has shifted primarily to the home, where all of a sudden, and perhaps it is a message that um, has been driven home, that is that Judaism was often a standout 
um, a way of life stand out and stand apart from all the others that there are in this world and that there ever have been, in that Judaism never really focused entirely on one place and one time and one event kind of during the week or during the month or the year for our Judaism to actually uh, take hold and to take place and to be uh, functionary and to be uh, something that we've kept to. But Judaism was this all-encompassing um, way of life. And in fact, if we think about it, the amount of time and uh, involvement that we are meant to have even on a regular basis on a, in a usual environment, in a usual world or the pre-COVID-19 world, there wasn't all that much time that really halachically, Jewishly, we had to keep in shul. Now, yes, we kind of got into the uh, headspace, I suppose, over a long, long period of time that, and people often thought this, you were a good Jew if you went to shul. Um, often people would meet me, as they would any other rabbi, I suppose, and say, you know, I haven't seen you, I haven't been in shul lately, I'm not a good Jew. Now, that was never the yardstick to judge or to think about whether a person is a good or observant or Torah-keeping Jew at all. On the contrary, there is a tremendous amount more that needs to be done and that is done from a Jewish point of view, from a Torah point of view, from a mitzvah point of view, outside of the shul than there is inside of the shul. The in-shul mitzvot can probably be counted on your hands. The out-of-shul mitzvot, well, there are 613 of those. Um, not all of them can be kept today, admittedly, but outside of shul, there's a tremendous amount more. And we have, hopefully, over this period of time, focused um, in a big way on the concepts and the ideas of what we keep on a regular basis outside of shul. And often when we think about the um, idea of what a mitzvah actually is, if you ask the average individual, and I do it often when I have um, an interview with bar mitzvah boys and so on, um, we ask what is a mitzvah, and usually the uh, comeback line is a mitzvah is a good deed. Well, not all good deeds are mitzvot, and not all mitzvot are mitzvahs um, is usually my answer. Because not every good deed is a mitzvah, not all mitzvot are good deeds. There are a number of mitzvot that are not deeds at all. There are many things that we're just told to refrain from doing. So, you know, you can do so many mitzvot, so many mitzvahs by absolutely doing nothing. Um, wow, this is a lot easier to be Jewish and to keep mitzvot than it actually seems to be to the outside. And one of the mitzvot that kind of pervades all the others, and that has been taken by many of our sages to be one of the most meaningful, one of the most important, one of the most obvious um, mitzvot, but yet we sometimes neglect it and we don't often think about it, is the mitzvah of Ahavat Yisrael, the mitzvah of loving your fellow men as yourself, loving your fellow Jew particularly as yourself. What does this mean? And how is it all played out and perhaps what are the suggestions, the ways, the means that we can actually do this mitzvah, not only today, but every day of our lives and in the time that we're spared going forward? So let's focus our attention today on the mitzvah of Ahavat Yisrael, of Ahavas Yisrael, of the love of your fellow Jews yourself in honor of the wedding anniversary 
of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's parents, Rabbi Levi Yitzchok and Rebbe Tzanchana Schneerson. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and welcome back. Yes, we've been talking today about the mitzvah of Ahavat Yisrael, of loving your fellow man as yourself. And when we think about this great mitzvah, it is important for us to know where it actually comes from. What are the sources? Where do we know this mitzvah from? Well, if you take a look in Leviticus 19, verse 18, there the mitzvah clearly says, love your fellows yourself. And we're told that this is a positive commandment. Now, it was the great sage, Rabbi Akiva, who said, this is the major principle of the Torah, or a major principle of the Torah. This is the mitzvah of loving your fellows yourself. The Zohar tells us the entire Jewish people are a single perfect whole. Rabbi Yitzchak Luria, the Arizal, said, every morning before your prayers, commit yourself to love every other Jew as your own self. Then your prayers will be accepted and bear fruit. The Baal Shem Tov, founder of the Hasidic movement, said, a soul descends from its place on high and enters this world for 70 or 80 years just to do a favor for another. The Magid of Mezrich, the Mezrich Magid said, do you hear what they say in the Heavenly Academy? That to love your fellow Jew means to love the completely wicked just as you love the completely righteous. And finally, a popular paraphrase of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's approach was he said, labels are for shirts, not for Jews. We serve all Jews equally with no expectations. Now, if we think about a summary of all of that, what does it actually mean? Well, when we think about the concept that was often painted in the picture of Ahavat Yisrael, is that each and every one of us, as the Zohar points out there, is part of a whole body. We are one composite whole. We are one composite soul. We are all interconnected in the most incredibly intricate and profound and important fashion. Every single individual plays a part in this whole design. Now, it would be tantamount to saying, I don't care about my leg, my toe, my head, my ear. I don't care about all of that. I'm going to take care of some other part of the whole. If one is only self-centered, if one is only concerned about oneself, or if one is only concerned about those who are around you, those in your immediate orb. Because what about everybody else and every other individual that forms part of this whole, of this body, of this composite, altogether soul. And each and every individual has their role to play. Thinking about the fact that your role is more important than somebody else's is once again tantamount to saying, I believe that uh, brain activity is more important than heart activity, or I believe that the functioning of my hand is more important than the functioning of my foot, and so on. We could keep on going with these images um, in every possible fashion and throughout the whole image of what it means to be part of the same body, part of the same soul, and all working in the same direction and all functioning together, each one playing its part. You cannot live 
without the uh, the red blood cells. You can't live without the, the white blood cells. You cannot live without uh, the heart pumping the blood through your veins, and you cannot live without your brain being able to uh, function and uh, support and do all the wonderful things that it was designed to do. Each and every part of the human body and each and every part of the Jewish people and each and every part of God's world is essential. And we dare not destroy or negate or neglect or not think about the well-being of one of those parts because in so doing we're jeopardizing all the others. And so too has Torah spelt out this important image for what loving our fellow man, loving our fellow Jew is actually all about. And I'd like to pause there for a moment and think about, for a couple of minutes, why we emphasize, why we keep on emphasizing this idea of loving your fellow Jew. Is this not a little bit self-centered and kind of counterintuitive, uh, to say the least, when we're talking about love? Of course, let's put out there as a very important uh, uh, overriding factor we need to remember that every one of God's creatures in this world, let alone every other human being, is of paramount importance. We dare not jeopardize uh, that at all. And really, strictly speaking, we need to love everything and everybody. But similar, I think, when we think about the idea of um, people who learn how to love and who know how to love from their home environment. You know, when a home environment is loveless, God forbid, when people are not uh, briefed or taught or nurtured or raised in the ways of a loving, caring uh, marriage or a loving, caring uh, parent-child relationship or a loving, caring family, it is very difficult for them um, often to learn how to love. And very often this is part of what psychologists and psychiatrists spend uh, a huge amount of time in trying to uh, get to the bottom of and to work out is how to teach people once again how to function as a human being and how to love, how to love others, how to care about others, how to show empathy, how to show uh, one's um, real uh, concern for other people. This is not something that is easily taught. It is something that needs to be learned and nurtured within a family. Similarly, the idea of loving one fellow, one's fellow man as itself is not necessarily the ultimate complete end in itself, but how much more so um, are we obligated to do this because it makes sure and ensures that if we have this love and this nurturing and this kindness and this goodness that is shown within the family, and let's broaden that and talk about the family being the Jewish people, how much easier is it to extrapolate that, to spend that, to move that outwards and to make sure that therefore we can become much better functioning and loving and caring human beings for everything and everybody out there. I think that it's been proven time and time and time again that uh, when people, for instance, are charitable, um, to their own causes, or let's call it their own causes, Jewish causes and so on, that that naturally has the spin-off of making them better donors, givers, carers for outside causes, for causes that are not strictly within the Jewish community and are not necessarily strictly even within uh, your own community, but that extend far beyond that. It has always been a known thing that um, in times gone by, beggars, 
who were um, keen to uh, make sure that they got a good donation when they were begging on the street would make sure or try and be sure in Europe and so on that they went to the Jewish neighborhoods. It's very common in many of the um, American and uh, uh, European synagogues in the shuls and outside the shuls that beggars of all denominations come there because the concept, the idea of charity, the idea of Kindness, the idea of giving, the idea of caring is something that grows and it's something that needs to be nurtured. And it, when it is nurtured, it is something that is so much more readily shared and can be projected outwards as well. So the idea then of Avat Yisrael, of loving your fellow Jew as yourself, is not necessarily exclusive to Jews. It is ultimately for everybody. But this is the learning environment. This is the mitzvah environment. This is the place where we can understand a little bit of what it means to be giving, to be godly, and to be doing not only for ourselves, but for others out there as well. And so therefore, perhaps at this time, um, we need to ensure that we kind of set ourselves up with a Avat Yisrael program, that there is there are several things that we can and we should be doing, and especially during this time when we've learned, as I said before, that not everything is that marks a Jew um, is done in shul or is done within our liturgy or has, has to do with keeping kosher or putting on tefillin, of course, Let's not underrate all, all of those mitzvot as well. But one of the overriding mitzvot that we need to be concerned with at all times is the mitzvah of Ahavat Yisrael, of Ahavat Yisrael, of loving our fellow Jew as ourselves. Here, perhaps, let's suggest, as um, we had spelled out for us by the Lubavitcher Rebbe himself, we can maybe, broadly speaking, follow a nice pointed plan a plan that um, will undoubtedly help us to uh, to carry this through and to be better Jews and to be people who are as concerned with others as we are with ourselves. So let's begin by following the um, Rebbe's idea that when we when it comes to Avas Yisrael, to our love of our fellow man, we should follow the advice given to us by the Arizal. And that was that before we pray, when we start each morning, we should say, I accept upon myself the mitzvah to love my fellow Jew like myself. This is actually inscribed into many sidurim. It is placed before we come into shul, before we get involved in our prayer services. The overriding factor of my prayers and my day need to, needs to be that what am I doing in this world in the first place if it is not to show love, to show care, and to help and to guide and to counsel and to assist those who are in need and those who need my care, guidance and assistance in every possible fashion. This is the role that I play. And please, God, I should be governed by the acceptance of this mitzvah of loving my fellow Jew as myself each and every day. Secondly, we should follow the golden rule given to us by Hillel, the great sage Hillel. And we remember that he was once asked, um, to give a synopsis of Judaism while a fellow stood on one foot and he said, famously, if you wouldn't like it done to you, don't do it to anybody else. The idea of Avas Yisrael is remember that somebody else 
has feelings too. Remember that others have the feelings that um, you may be treading on by behaving in a, in, a, in a particular fashion, by not being as kind, as good, as just, as, uh, um, as generous, as empathetic as you actually should be. So remember, remember to make sure that you follow Hillel's golden rule. If you wouldn't like it done to you, don't do it to anybody else. Thirdly, speak only good about your fellow men. Don't even listen to a bad word unless some real benefit will come through your conversation. So in other words, if you need to give guidance and counsel to people who are at odds with each other, um, over there to hear what the one is saying about the other may be productive, it may be good, but to just listen to Lashon Ara, to Lashon Hora, if you just listen to the uh, negative talk about other people at any time, this leads you to have a lack of Abbas Yisrael, of love of your fellow man as yourself, of your fellow Jew as yourself, and we need to ensure that we stay away from that at all costs. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Continuing with our ideas around Ahavat Yisrael, loving our fellow Jews ourselves. Let's continue. There are a few other points that uh, we could perhaps ponder and hopefully put into practice in the coming days if we're not already doing them. We need to care for our fellow Jews' property and possessions as you care for your own. Here was suggested that uh, we need to make sure in order to kind of bring this into practice, and you can't do it perhaps on a regular basis, um, perhaps by giving to Jewish organizations that help to support others. We're caring about the well-being of other people. We give to free loan societies and so on. This is all part and parcel of this idea of caring for other people, for caring for their property, for caring for their possessions. But perhaps we could take it even further. I've often noticed, I'm sure you have too, that there is a kind of a lack of care, a lack of concern that people have for other people's property, perhaps just in a simple fashion. You wouldn't stand, for instance, with your foot on a chair in your own dining room, but sometimes you would hap, hap, uh, happily do that in a shul environment, in a school environment. You uh, don't necessarily have the same care and the same uh, kindness that you want to show towards your, uh, your uh, others' possessions as you do to your own. Of course, when we think about the terrible things that are going on with the riots um, all across America that have been happening over the last few days, the idea of damaging other people's property and let alone um, uh, the uh, terrible, uh, terrible crime that is actually uh, being done together with it, yes, of course, People have a right to protest, and yes, of course, people have a right to express their rage and their anger and so on. But when it becomes something that is destructive of other people's possessions and property, this, of course, could never be sanctioned from a Jewish point of view. We need to be as careful with other people's property as we are with our own. And we're instructed, by the way, to be careful with our own property. We cannot be um, flippant, and we cannot be destructive, and we're not allowed to just throw money or throw things away uh, unnecessarily, we've got to be careful that we preserve, that we care for, and that we value our own property and, of course, that of others. We always need to be on the lookout for opportunities to do another Jew a favor, and there are many opportunities, but perhaps we should be – it should be something that we integrate into our own regular behavior – 
think and spend a few minutes every day thinking about how you can do something for somebody else, how you can do a favor for another Jew. Remember the Baal Shem Tov said, it's possible that we live our entire lives, our 70, 80, 90, 100 years and that we are allocated. It is possible that we um, are sent here and we're on this earth simply to do a favor to another. And let's make sure that we have that uppermost in our mind every single day. We should spend our lives and spend our days trying to bring people together. And instead of putting up barriers and instead of uh, pointing out differences, we should be tearing them down. We should be making sure that people can come together, that people can be involved with each other, that people can share and they can be involved. And we can bring about this one unit of one soul, one body, one one uh, being, as the entire Jewish people are and should be. And of course, finally, we should invite other Jews to share in the most precious thing that we have, and that is our Torah and our mitzvot. We should make sure that we enable other people to have access to Torah, that we have access to learning, to studying, to being involved, and to keeping mitzvot. This is the precious gift that you can give to anybody. Think about it today and make sure that you own Ahavat Yisrael, your love for your fellow man as yourself. I'm going to end there and today just uh, uh, need to stop a little bit early on uh, my show, but I would like to wish you all a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead, and I look forward to being back with you. Please go at same time, same place next week on Judaism 101.9.